couple of things as we get into our text this morning. Go ahead and turn to, to the book of Mark chapter 6. That's where we're going to be uh, for today. A uh, couple of things I want you to be praying about. One of those is our college kids. Our college kids are getting ready to head back to, to college. I know I've got uh, two of my boys getting ready to uh, start back up with college, um, getting ready to head back to, um, to their place. I know Harding, I think they're going this week. Lipscomb is going. Um, the kids are going this week. Um, not even sure about some of the other colleges, but those two in particular, um, I know about one because, well, I pay that monthly fee. <laughs> so I'm real familiar with one of those. Um, so let's keep them in our prayers as they get ready to start their new year. Let's, let's just really pray that they, they're able to, you know, really learn, but also to grow as individuals, to grow in their faith grow in Christ, whether they're going to a Christian college or whether they're going to a state college, we just, we just pray that they, they will continue in that, that realm. Uh, also, I pray, uh, would like for you to pray for my mother-in-law. We just moved her in. This, she's, she's here. She's probably doesn't want me to say that, but she's here visiting with us this morning, but we just moved her from Alabama. Uh, in case you don't know, that's a long way. Uh, in a U-Haul, it's even longer. And uh, so anytime we have people who move from long distances, you know, it's just, it's a new change and new atmosphere. Um, no more fall weather or winter or all the nice things in life. Um, so, but that's okay. She's coming here. We have a high rate of serial killers and large snakes. So that's always good to know. Uh, but let's, let's just keep those people in our prayers um, this week. So Mark chapter 6 is really interesting. Um, it, it reminds us of this phrase, or at least when I read it, it reminded me of a phrase I've heard all my life, which is, familiarity breeds contempt. How many of you ever heard that before? How many of you actually know what it means? Okay, well, half the people went down. Bill Rakes knows, that's good. Uh, but it's a term that means an extensive knowledge of or close association with someone or something leads to a loss of respect for them or it. I grew up in a small town of Hamilton, Alabama. At times I felt like I knew all 5,000 people who lived in that town, and that may be pushing it to say there were 5,000. But, you know, if I went to Piggly Wiggly or Fred's Pharmacy or the drive-in or went to a ball game or just walk around the town square, you know, you just, you're always seeing people that you knew. And some of you grew up in, in exactly that type of a town. I went to the same hometown church my whole life, the Hamilton Church of Christ, and loved those people. I knew everybody there. Um, I would say at its peak in my lifetime, they were about 500, but while I was there, they were probably what I remember the most, probably about 300 people, uh, but you just kind of know everyone. My grandfather was an elder in the church there for 50 years. My, my dad was the Sunday morning song leader for uh, 26, or no, 35 years, and they let me lead singing on Wednesday nights every so often, then even on a Sunday night occasionally and things like that, and um, but, you know, that's who I was. I was the guy who was supposed to come later on. I was little Lex. Lex is my dad's name. It's not just my son's name. 
But Lex, I was always called Little Lex. I was the one who was going to eventually take over my dad and be the song leader uh, there at the church. Um, I was only asked once to do a five-minute devotional on a Wednesday night. They still call it the Great Invitation because, and some of you, I, I think I've told this before, but when it came down to the end, I said, everyone who needs to respond, please stand and sing. Uh, so they were really shocked when someone like me became a minister. They were really surprised. So I love my hometown church. I still do. Uh, on Facebook, I'm able to watch their services every Sunday um, with their, their streaming that they have. I wouldn't trade my time with those people and that church for anything in the world. But do you know I've only been asked to preach there one time? And, and uh, you know, it's been basically 30 years. And that was really early on. And, you know, I've never been asked to come in and do one of my personality uh, seminars. And that's okay. I'm really not bitter. Uh, there's been people in the church who bought my book. Maybe that's why they didn't invite me. Uh, but, but, you know, either way, I've just, I, I'm, not, I'm not respected as, or valued anyway, as a preacher. I'm always going to be little X. I'm always going to be the song leader. I'm always going to be the kid who gave the Bible class teachers fits. I'm always going to be the, the one who played high school football. I'm always going to be the boy whose family had a business there in town. Familiarity breeds contempt. It's just what it does. So imagine how difficult it would have been for someone who came from a town that didn't even have quite 500 people and came from a little church, if you will, or synagogue with even much less than that. And, and to see that person who had been a carpenter for the first 30 years of his, uh, in, of his life and following in daddy's footsteps and then suddenly decides to start a ministry and he begins teaching. And, and then to look at him not only as a preacher, if you will, but to see them as that person as the son of God. Folks, that's what we're dealing with in our text here in Mark chapter 6. So let's start off and let's, let's read the first four verses together. He went away from there and he came to his hometown. And his disciples followed him and on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to him, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives, and in his household. There's a lot of major changes that have happened since the four stories that we just finished last week from the Gospel of Mark. Jesus returns to his hometown. We would call it a hick town. My little town of Hamilton. We would have looked at Nazareth and laughed at it. 
we would have said, that's a little hick town. It's never even mentioned in the Old Testament. The most telling passage, maybe in Scripture, is when Philip comes to Nathanael. And he says, look, I found the one who has come to redeem Israel. It's Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathanael's reply says it all. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And here's what's amazing when you read this text in Mark chapter 6. The people who believe that as much as anyone is the people who lived in Nazareth. And they just couldn't get over this idea that, you know, here's Jesus. His home church, again, if you will, let me call it a church, it is, is astonished at his teachings. They're astonished at his powerful works. But they're amazed in a negative way. They couldn't get past his background. In fact, Jesus doing these things, teaching in this amazing way, and doing these mighty works, it's offensive to them. And it's like, well, okay, I, maybe I can understand that, you know, we're just, we're surprised, but offended, they just can't believe that this guy who grew up in the same town they did, in the same synagogue they did, was able to do these things. And you just look at the questions that we just read here in chapter 6. They refer to Jesus. Now remember, they've known him for years. And they refer to him as this man. In other words, they're, they're not happy with him. And they call him the son of Mary. And we don't think anything about that because we, we think in terms of the virgin birth. They wouldn't have been thinking in terms of the virgin birth. Folks, this is a demeaning term for a man to be called the son of a mother, a son of a woman. I think what they're saying is they're referring to the fact that Jesus was born out of wedlock. They knew about that. And even if they hadn't known about the virgin birth and the Holy Spirit and the Magi and the angel and all of this kind of stuff, I don't think they would have believed it. I mean, who does he think he is coming around here and preaching with this kind of authority and doing these kinds of things? And they're put off by Jesus. And they're not put off by his teaching, they're put off by his background. Isn't that something? Now, once again, we're brought into the scandal of the gospel. It's very scandalous. I mean, how could someone so ordinary do such amazing things? How could Mary's boy be God's anointed? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Familiarity breeds contempt. The Jews had a similar proverb, and Jesus quotes it here. He says, look, a prophet is not without honor. He can go anywhere, and he's a prophet of God. There's this honor, but he says, but not with his family and not with his hometown. And we've already noticed, if you, when we were in chapter 3, that this was already true of Jesus' family. And now here he is in his hometown, three chapters later, and we see that this prophecy uh, or this proverb is being brought forth as being true. But they ask all of these questions, and they never ask the one question that was the most important. 
which is with Jesus teaching in such an amazing way and this power that he has, what possibly could this mean? But they just couldn't get to those questions because they had too many questions about his upbringing. It's a powerful lesson for us today, which is exposure to Jesus and the Gospels. It's no guarantee that people are going to respond in faith. Think about that. You know, I've seen parents go through this. I mean, man, I just, I just I'm with you. I understand this. I sympathize with you. I mean, how, how can a... My child, how can my grandchild, how can whoever, you know, they were raised going to church. We put them in Bible classes as children. They heard about Jesus on their own level. And they were part of youth group. But then when they became young adults, they just completely stopped going to church. And, and we're left with all of these, these questions. And we wonder, you know, what went wrong? Some may stick around for a while because, you know, they want to appease mom and dad. But even, even their activity is becoming a little more limited. And it makes you wonder if sometimes familiarity to the stories of Jesus doesn't breed contempt and that doesn't mean we don't need to have our kids in Bible classes it doesn't mean they don't need to be in youth group it doesn't mean we don't we don't need to be teaching the stories of Jesus the family and hometown of Jesus struggled and we've got to guard against the attitude of the Nazarenes which is I have studied the Bible my whole life and know all the stories. What can he teach me? And we can do the same thing today. We can be put off with Nazareth, but sometimes we'll be like, well, that's the way the Church of Christ has done it their whole lives. What possibly could I learn from something else? And we can completely shut down something that possibly could build our faith. The family and hometown of Jesus, they had more contact with Jesus than, than our children. And, but it didn't produce faith in Jesus. It's more than knowing stories. We've got to allow our faith to grow through those stories. This is why we peel back these pages of the scriptures it's more than jesus you know stealing a storm it's like what is that telling us about jesus we can know the stories very well when we come i mean this last week i've been studying about jesus walking on water man i can't wait to get to that and I, I mean, I'm peeling the stuff back, and I'm learning when, when, you, when you do as we often do in here, and we peel back to the Old Testament, and we see what is being said here. We are just absolutely amazed by what it's teaching us about Jesus now. And we don't just, we're not just amazed, we're not just astounded by Jesus doing these things. We're learning what it means 
when he does those things. That's the thing that builds our faith, not in knowing all the stories of the Bible, but what those stories are supposed to tell us. And we all have room for growth. I just said it myself. I studied things this last week that absolutely blew my mind. And I study the Bible every day. No one ever said to Jesus growing up, you know, one day, I bet you're going to be the Messiah. No one ever saw that in Jesus. He didn't have a halo over his head like art often pictures him. His own family didn't recognize his divinity. And we have to ask ourselves, are we any different? We can have our own concept of Jesus based on our own traditions. We have our own concept of Jesus based on what someone tells me. Rather than really looking and reading and studying and praying and meditating on those things. The people of Nazareth, they see Jesus only as Mary's boy. They see a hometown boy who went out and he's returned home. He's, he's come back for a visit. If only God had been less ordinary, they would have believed and folks, that's the problem that we struggle with today, which is we want more than what God gives. The greatest obstacle to faith is our own expectations of God. Let's keep, continue reading. I want, I want to read out the rest of this text, starting in verse 5. And this, this absolutely blew my mind when, when I read it. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Jesus can do no miracles except for the few who are willing to believe. They can't even see Jesus as a prophet. And did you notice Jesus' response? Jesus is absolutely amazed by this. He didn't see it coming either. A demonic Gentile, he's living out in these unclean lands, in unclean tombs. He's filled, just, just, just filled with all of this legion of demons. And yet, when he has this encounter with Jesus, this Gentile, raised in a pagan atmosphere, he wants to follow Jesus. And it's like, you know, I didn't see that coming. But I think, too, we can look at the response of Nazareth and we can say, I didn't see that coming either. And that, folks, is the mystery of the kingdom of God. No one can predict who is going to trust Jesus and who is not going to trust Jesus. And it should tell us something about as we go out and we teach people about the wonderful news of Jesus Christ, that sometimes it's the person who's the most immoral, maybe the most unclean, the most whatever you want to call it, the least likely that we would think would ever enter into a church door. And those are the very people sometimes who are hungriest for Jesus. And sometimes those who were raised going to church 
can be the least hungry for Jesus. Jesus is powerless in a faithless community. What should that tell us as a church? When we, as a body of people, we no longer are trusting Jesus, we're just taking stories, we're just getting knowledge, and we're not allowing our faith to grow, and we trust him in our everyday part of life, then guess what? The power of Jesus is not going to be there. And in case you've already forgotten, where this whole thing is taking place is in a synagogue where people have come to revere God. And you're here, but the question is, why are we here? How do you demonstrate faith? When we have have these prayers that were offered up this morning is it something you're just listening to maybe you tune out somewhere in there or are you listening and you just believe that God hears what's been what's being asked and and what is being said and the praise and and just believe God's gonna answer those things and, and we've been in here and we've been singing this morning and, and there's been some wonderful words that are up there and and we may love those words and, but and we love the song we mean oh man I love that song and and you know what man that is so beautiful the all the harmonies together but are we believing in what we're singing And, and will we leave this morning and we're not even sure what we sang in praises to God? But we may say, wow, wonderful song service. Well, we know it's about Jesus, but do we believe the things? You know, Mark shows us more about the humanity of Jesus than any other gospel. It's amazing. In the synoptic gospels is what they're called, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're all kind of the same. They're kind of interwoven. John kind of got his own thing going on, which is really awesome. But you know what? Of those three, Mark is the only one that doesn't include the birth of Jesus. It doesn't mean Matthew and Luke are wrong in doing that, but Jesus really shows us this humanity, this humbleness of Christ. Jesus walked the same road as the blue-collar worker. Jesus knew what it was like to be tired. He knew what it was like to be disappointed and fearful. He even knew what it was like when his, he couldn't even reach his own family and, and people that he had known his whole life. Jesus, Jesus gets that. The Son of God has even identified too closely with the world. So much so that some just struggle to believe that he is the Son of God. Jesus of Nazareth has come into our world. He's entered into our human experience to save us. He brings a power that goes beyond the healing of the sick and the casting out of demons. Jesus has come to recreate your inner being. 
and by becoming a follower of Jesus, it doesn't mean we're always going to have perfect knowledge because we don't, but it means I just trust Jesus. And as I learn these things and I continue to study and I continue to pray about these things, I'm just going to trust Christ through it all. I want to be who he wants me to be. And when I mess up, I know Jesus loves me because there's no way that he would come and do what he did and him not love me. And he loves you. He died on the cross and he resurrected from the grave. And he brings us into this community of people who've all been brought together by Jesus Christ. We're to be a community of faith. And it's in this community of faith, it's not where everything goes perfectly in our lives, but it's where we have our faith and we have our trust when things aren't so perfect in our lives. But in order to have that in our life, we have to get past the thinking of the Nazarenes. We've got to get past having a knowledge of stories and truly understand who Jesus is and why he has come. And if you're not a child of God, if you don't belong to a community of believers and you're not even real sure what that means, in fact, this may be, you may be here today and it's the first time you've even heard the name Nazareth before. We want to talk to you more. I can't tell you in a five-minute spiel what you really need to hear about Jesus because he's the one who saves us. He's the one who washes us clean. He recreates in us something that we cannot create in ourselves. And we want to help you. And, and you may come forward this morning, you just need prayers about some things, or it may be you want to talk with me afterwards and you just say, hey, I need to talk to you more about this Jesus. We want to do that. We really want to do that. We want to tell you about Jesus of Nazareth. But if we can help you in any way today, if we can help you right now, we ask you to come as together we stand and as we sing.